first of all, I want to thank you both for, for um, agreeing to chat with me. I'm so excited to talk with you during our, our Science Cafe up in Sudbury. When I was up there for um, the opening of the um, Beyond Human Limits um, exhibit, which was a really fun um, ex thing to be a part of. Uh, and also, I know that you are um, in a academic program up there. I want to talk with you about that in a little bit. But I, I know that you've, you've been involved in adventure sports and things like that for probably a long time. But let's, I want to start off by asking you, like, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself, what you do, and a little bit about this, this program that you're a part of. For sure. Well, thanks for having me on here. I'm excited to, to be a part of it. And uh, it's exciting that I've um, got this new book coming out. So um, I guess a little bit about me. Um, my name is Bo Williams-Orser. I live in Sudbury, Ontario, which is uh, about five hours north of Toronto. Um, and um, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm involved in some academics. Um, right now I'm enrolled in a, in a master's program. Um, do working on a, on a thesis project um, is kind of a value learning outcomes at post-secondary outdoor adventure programs. There's a lot of programs in Canada and in the U.S., although my focus is just, uh, just in Canada. There's a lot of programs that, tra that train professionals um, or train students to become professionals um, in outdoor recreation, outdoor education, and outdoor adventure. So they can become guides or educators and use the outdoors as their medium. So I'm kind of... Um, involved in that research world. Um, and then I also work for, um, I work as an instructor for an undergraduate program at the same university. It's the same undergraduate program that I graduated from and it's titled Outdoor Adventure Leadership. And, and it, this is one of those programs that trains these uh, young, uh, young professional students to become, um, you know, market ready for jobs guiding or becoming outdoor educators and, and working in the outdoors or in remote environments. So that's a little bit of what I do on the academic front. Um, otherwise, for a bunch of years now, I've been, um, I guess, just playing outside. And that's kind of morphed into me um, doing things like rock climbing and, and mountaineering and um, hiking and trekking in remote areas. And uh, I do a lot of whitewater paddling as well, both in kind of a, a canoe and kayak vessel, as well as in, in a tandem canoe and, and um, in more remote areas. Um, and then along with being an instructor, I, I kind of take occasional, occasional contracts to go and guide people out in the wilderness myself. So wow. I do a lot of stuff outdoors. Some of it's work, some of it's fun, and then sometimes they blend together. Yeah. So how did, like, when did you first realize that you loved outdoor adventure kinds of things? Well, like I grew up in a really small, I didn't grow up in Sudbury. I grew up in a really small town. Um, and as far as I can remember, I was just kind of always playing outside. I would just go run around and um, ride a mountain bike and get lost in the local trails and stumble my way home before the sun would set. Um, so as far as I could always remember, I was always spending time outside. It just never clicked that it was anything formal. And then, um, as the, you know, the, the classic young Canadian boy story goes, I was, I was, uh, I played hockey for a long time and I was kind of heavily committed to that in the competitive realm for a while. Um, and I would always look forward to the summer off season when I could go spend more time outside instead of in arenas. So I would go on canoe trips and, 
and try to drag friends and family to come with me. Um, and then it kind of, when my hockey, my days of, of playing hockey were done, I, I kind of, it clicked to me that, wow, I want to do this kind of stuff year round. So I looked at, um, you know, what kind of an academic program I could join where I could get some formal training on that, um, in order to not just have it as a hobby, but also go and, and use it as a profession. Um, so I guess that's kind of when it, when it became more formal for me. Um, and how did you feel when you, when you discovered that all of these outdoor adventure things that you were doing, that was sort of part of who you are as a person was something that you could do for career? I mean, it was, it was pretty exciting. Um, I don't think I, I realized that all overnight. Uh, I wasn't sure how it could fit fit in as, as, as work. And I didn't grow up. Um, uh, some, a number of my peers now that I'm in this, in this work world and academic world, I've come to realize they grew up doing it with their parents or they would go to um, Canada and particularly the province Ontario has a really rich culture of uh, having um, young kids go to summer camp and, and these summer camp takes, take this the kids on extended uh remote wilderness trips so a lot of my peers have a have a background where they grew up doing this stuff as a kid in a, in a formal setting um so i kind of i couldn't really relate to it i just showed up and um i was a bit of a cowboy just trying to get myself lost and 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 get away with it um and and go do um adventurous things on my own time um so I was kind of, it was kind of new to me that any of this stuff could turn into work. So it was pretty exciting when I got the first few little gigs here and there and got to take people outside and, and I guess wear the hat of a guide. Um, um, it was, it was kind of fun. And now it's interesting cause I do, I do, I do a fair amount of it, I guess, but I also balance it with, with studying it on the academic side, uh, which puts me sitting at a desk a lot more often than I would like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and you know a lot about, you know, the things I've been writing about in the book in terms of looking at sensation seeking and the different sort of components of it, the thrill and adventure seeking, experience seeking, disinhibition, boredom susceptibility, and, and how that kind of personality style is a little bit different than what people might expect in terms of how, that personality of sensation seeking can help people in those um, adventure type of activities. And so you, you see those individuals that have that personality type come into these programs. Um, how do you think that personality either helps or hinders the kinds of things that people um, want to do in those programs? Yeah, that's interesting. Um you see, I see a number of students come, come in, in the door every year to the program or, or I meet people when I'm out adventuring and stuff. And, and I wonder what draws them into it and um, where the initial sparks of interest come from. And if that's tied in with personality types and mm-hmm. been familiar with, um, with the work on, on thrill seeking. And I was able to learn uh, from you about it when we, um, when we were, doing a science cafe up here in Sudbury. But I guess I think there must be some sort of inherent um, personality traits that, that makes outdoor pursuits, whether, you know, it's on the extreme end or on the moderate end. It mu- there must be something that makes that appealing. 
And then I, I think, and, and I can speak to that from my experiences as well, is once you get into it and you start trying it and start trying different things, you start to stretch your comfort zone hmm. uh, ever so slightly every single time. And you kind of, well, at least for me, I started to grow a desire to, to want to just try something a little bit more ambitious and a little bit more challenging, a little bit more technical, a little bit more difficult, something that required a little bit more planning just in, until it just grew and grew and grew and grew. And um, and still is, I think. Um, so yeah, I think, it, I think there's a progression, um, mm. somewhere. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me a little about your, your, um, your thesis, your, and, and, your, and, and a little bit about what you're, you're discovering in terms of, um, your, your sort of passion in this area. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've really enjoyed, um, getting an introduction, inter- introduction to the, uh, academic world. Um, I work with uh, uh, faculty at, at Laurentian University named Dr. Stephen Ritchie, um, and him and I have, uh, with, our, with, an, with a committee of, of professors have been working on a thesis project. Um, and um, as I mentioned, Canada has a number of programs that train students to become um, outdoor professionals, and I use that term a little bit loosely because there's a lot of different avenues in, in you know in the education field or with commercial operators that offer tours and guided trips and experiences and things like that. Um, so the first thing that I was doing in my thesis was, was using a a certain technique, a scanning technique to identify where all those programs are in Canada, because there's, there hasn't been an attempt to map all those out, nor do they really collaborate with each other. So, um, kind of creating a Canada map of where all these programs are. And then the second part was to go a little bit more specific in the province of Ontario and speak with every one of these programs um, to better understand how their programs are designed and what they focus on and what they target and what learning outcomes they have in their programs so that I can kind of um, compare and contrast all the programs in in Ontario and highlight the unique aspects of, of each one of them. Um, and then the third and final thing that I'm working on in my thesis is um, speaking with professors and instructors um, that teach at outdoor adventure programs to gain their opinion on certain, um, I guess you could call them certain, you know, hot topics or highly debated topics that exist in our industry um, that have been kind of undetermined or argued upon for, for several years. So I'm just trying to get a consensus on, on how people feel about things like certifications and standardization and, um, and kind of regulation in training and things like that. Hmm. So yeah, just getting immersed in, in how, um, how students are trained to be these sort of, uh, outdoor professionals in Canada. Uh, which has been really fun because that's how I got into, well, that's how I got into the formal side of things because I did a four-year degree. Now, now, when when you're not behind a desk, um, what kinds of, of adventure sports things do you, um, do you love to do or have you done? <laughs> yeah. Um, on the teaching side, I've been involved with teaching some of the uh, paddling courses, particularly in canoeing because it's probably this discipline I have. I guess the most training in, um, and then some of the hiking courses as well. And then some of the climbing courses, uh, I guess more recently, but asides from, from work when I'm just out having fun, 
I think this thing I do, I spend most of my time doing is, is rock climbing. Hmm. Uh, in Sudbury, we have a long winter, so we don't get a whole lot of rock climbing. But um, I try to get away and, and go climbing whenever I can. So this past spring, I went to Squamish um, on the western coast of Canada and did a rock climbing trip. because They have some beautiful uh, granite cliffs there. And then... Um, in the winter time, I was in California in Joshua Tree National Park doing some climbing and in Red Rocks National Park in, in uh, Las Vegas. Um, so rock climbing is probably the thing that I'm, I'm most excited about. Um, and I have a crew of friends that are pretty excited about rock climbing too. So mm. it makes it really, really fun to get into that stuff. Yeah. And tell me, what, what, what do you like about rock climbing? Tell me what, what, what specifically? Like what, how does it feel when you're doing it? Um, I like rock climbing because it's really fitness oriented um and it's it's quite slow and calculated um it, interestingly enough rock climbing is going to be in the new olympics um uh, and i think it's it's kind of interesting because watching mind you there's three different disciplines that are going to be in the olympics but mo for the most part watching rock climbing is it's kind of boring it's kind of slow um from a distance, it would be, you'd just be watching the spec climb up a wall, especially if you're watching, <laughs> climbing, watching somebody climb long routes. You're just watching this little spec move up a wall relatively slowly because you move up vertical terrain so much slower than, than you would any other type of terrain. Um, so it's really calculated. But then if you were to zoom right in on that and see the intricacies of it, there's um, so much athleticism, um, so much calculation and in in root finding and and using natural features of the rock and um having certain core strengths and figure st finger strengths and flexibility and um it's really it's really neat sport but I, I i like um i guess rock climbing on the more adventurous end i'm not that gifted of an athlete so i'll never be doing roots that are at the the limit of human potential but i kind of like the the adventurous style of rock climbing where you can go out for, for a whole day and climb a really long route. That's, um, up a big face on a, on a rock wall or something like that. And starting to, to learn, um, a couple new disciplines using traditional rock climbing gear and, and things like that. Um, and then I guess with climbing as well, I've got in, another discipline I've got into a little bit is mountaineering, which would be, um, on kind of snow covered mountains or, and, and glacier and glacier covered mountains. Oh my uh, gosh. So wait, what's the difference between mountaineering and rock climbing? Um, so rock climbing, I guess, and a lot of these terms get tossed around. You can have, you can have a mix of both, but rock climbing would, I guess, mostly be when the weather's nice and you have dry rock to climb mm. on, um, usually in the vertical realm. So, um, you know, it'd be a sheer looking cliff that's either, uh, vertical or slightly overhanging or even, or maybe slightly pitched forward. Um, mountaineering, um, kind of an umbrella term for any, um, uh, mountain climbing that's in, I guess, a more winterous environment, um, <laughs> where you're climbing with like a larger boots and, and crampons and ice tools, uh, or maybe even doing some skiing throughout your mountaineering. Um, and you climb at much higher elevation, um, above sea level. And usually it's, 
usually it's much longer routes that can take you several days and you're camping out throughout the experience. And I like that stuff because I've kind of developed a lot of the skills to know mm -hmm. how to manage uh, myself in a group and, and uh, manage ourselves uh, with limited resources, limited equipment, limited supplies, um, um, and I guess limited access to, to to help or to emergency services. So it's kind of fun to go into going to the go into the big mountains. Um, mind you, I don't get out and do as much of that because um, you know you got to go to far stretches of the world to be able to go mountaineering. But in 2017, I did a mountaineering expedition along with a bunch of peers. Um, in Mongolia and we climbed uh, several mountains in the western edge of Mongolia right on the border of um, of China. Hmm. Now does the does the idea that it, you are in a remote area and you have to manage all those resources does that does that make it different in terms of the th that increases the risk of it right? Yeah absolutely that drives risk right up the uh, right up really high for sure. Um, it adds to the complexity because now all of a sudden everything has to be really calculated because any small incident or injury can, can be a lot more severe if you're really remote, you know, something as little as, as a blister that can then become an infection or, or mm -hmm. a small cut or, or a small burn or something or a twisted ankle. If you're really, really far away and your only way out is to get yourself out or to get yourself where maybe there's helicopter access or float plane access or something like that or vehicle access, it's, it's a lot more challenging and you have, to, you have to be way, way more calculated with your risks, way more diligent with your, with your preparation. You have to really sweat the small stuff in those type of environments. But that's, that's what that's, excites me. I like going into the remote terrain. I like being way out in, in the wilderness or in nature, in these spaces where... Um, there aren't that many other people and um, you get these really wild experiences being out in the mountains or out in, out in far back country. Hmm. And you, and when you're there, you sort of think to yourself, we got to do this because we, we were able to do the, to take the risk in order to be here. Um, yeah, in a way, I guess that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, Cause if it was easy, would it be worth it? Well, yeah, I don't know. I think you're, I think that answer would be very different for everybody. For hmm. me, for me, there's got to be some element of risk because that's just that's just part of the equation. Hmm. Um, but it also it always has to be a risk that I that I think I can um, maybe not all. Mostly, it's at risks that I feel like I can manage, or risks that I feel like I can mostly calculate and and take with complete confidence because um, conse the consequences can be high um but i but i won't take the risk if the probability of me succumbing to it is high hmm. um it's kind of an equation it's you know it'll be uh, how, like how grave is the consequence um and how much exposure do I have to that consequence? And then how likely do I feel like I'll succumb to that consequence? So I may be willing to climb um, really high off the ground, even without a rope, 
but only if I feel like I 100% am in control and trust all my abilities and the difficulty of the grade is not so high that I feel in any way that there's any possibility that I might fall. Mm -hmm. Um, Or similarly, I might go in the mountains and if the weather is really bad, then there's just too many risks to, to justify pushing on. So we'll just set up a camp or, or back off and turn around and, and descend the mountain before finishing the, the goal. But that also means you have to know and trust your limitations and know and trust the, that other people in your team know their limitations really well as well. Yes, 100%. And um, that brings up a good point because I mean, the people you go and do these adventures with is really, it's really integral who, you, you know, if you, that you know them really well and that you're comfortable with them, particularly when you're out in far remote places or doing technical activities. Now, when I flip to the, to the work side of things or when I'm working and I take people in the outdoors or if I take children or teenagers or adults on these remote trips, my tolerance for risk goes way, 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 way down compared to what I'm going to do myself and another keen climbing partner. Um, when you, when you're kind of in, in a position of care for other people, you just can't justify taking risks because you just have, you know, the type of experiences that I'll give a client will be for me something well within my comfort zone, but it might feel very wild uh, and insecure for them. Hmm. But I, fully have confidence that it that this that the situation is 100 percent under control whereas with me you know on my own or another uh, another crew of friends that also have a bunch of experience doing this kind of stuff we can we can push a little bit harder or come a little bit closer to the edge without crossing it yeah i want to ask you about um something i get asked about all the time which is um adrenaline um, I get asked about whether or not people who do these adventure type sports are, um, I get asked two questions. Number one, do they have a death wish? <laughs> and number two is, are they adrenaline junkies? And um, what's, what's your take on those two questions? Well, my answer, I think, stands for, for the vast majority. I think there's some outliers. There's certainly some um some characters out there that are willing to put it all on the line maybe they don't have a death wish but they're certainly pretty angsty Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think for for the masses uh us adventure athletes and you know myself i definitely don't have a death wish i um i have a pretty fun life and i have a lot of great people in my life and and i want to stay alive for as long as possible i'm you know i'm I, I don't want to take any sort of risks that are going to be putting me in a compromising position. Now, somebody else might look at what I'm doing and go, whoa, that's so far out there. If I was in that position, I would be horrified. That would be just so grim and, and I would, you know, I would perish certainly. But for me, it's been such a progression. You know, you may only see me halfway up some rock cliff, but what you don't see is that I've done so many other um so many other you know engagements with with similar things that have brought me to that point uh with such a slow progression that i'm only taking on a little bit more challenge every time Mm. um and then with adrenaline and i again i think it stands for the masses mind you there may be some there may be some outliers and 
you probably have a better sense of that than me. But for me, I don't, I don't really like adrenaline. When I feel it, I feel like something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah, especially, you know, in a climbing or paddling context, like if I get all jacked up with adrenaline, and then it's probably because I'm too far outside of my comfort zone. And, and it's kind of an indicator for me that I need to, I need to back off or reel it in a little bit. Um, yeah. Cause, and usually once you've felt it, you're already part, you've, you've may have already screwed up a little bit because you're kind of compromised and now you're afraid, um, unless you're just getting a little trigger of it and you can, you can reel it back in or still back off. You know, I mean, that's the position you want to be in, but there's plenty of times where if I, if, if I'm going in to try something, if I'm paddling something and there's a big set of, of whitewater rapids or, or whatever it may be. And I, and I've got a bunch of adrenaline and kind of a pit in my stomach. That's, that's kind of a good indication for me to think about it and go, Oh, maybe I should re refocus here and think about the risks. And and maybe sometimes it's just a kind of a fear response, mm-hmm. uh, but I try to listen to that and, and not push it too far. Now in other times I, I certainly will just think about that a little bit more rationally try to recalculate again what I'm going to do, reevaluate the, the, the line that I may paddle um, and, and try to think my way through it. And, and sometimes I can kind of calm myself down and, and then approach it again and feel good about it. But, um, but yeah, I certainly, I don't strive to, to feel, I don't desire adrenaline. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's in line with what a lot of people say, you know, it's funny because I, I remember talking to one person and she said, um, you know, I'm not made out of glass. You know, I know that, you know, I don't mind a little pain if it's going to get me something that's important that I want. Um, And I think a lot of high sensation seekers, you know, they don't desire pain, but they don't, you know, they don't, they don't mind it and they bounce back pretty quickly. Um, a lot of low sensation seekers like me, like my mantra is no pain, no pain. Like, you know, they, they will do whatever <laughs> they, they want to avoid it. Um, but you know, you know, I think a lot of people, it, it's, it's not that they desire it, but they, if they, if there's something that they can get on the other side of it, they're willing to tolerate it. So I think, you know, um, you're sort of right in line with a lot of people say, and, and the other part about adrenaline, it's again in line where a lot of people will say it's, it's a terrible drug, you know, because it gets in the way of the things they need to do, which is to focus. Um, and like you were talking about in terms of rock climbing, there are a lot of really calculations that you have to make and, and you don't need a fuzzy head. You don't need to be all jacked up in order to, to, to do the things you need to do well. And so, yeah, I think that's, you know, what you've said seems right in line. Yeah, for sure. And I think the same, the same goes in terms of pain. I, I, you know, I'm willing to, to undergo a few bumps and bruises and cuts and scrapes, or maybe a little bit of uh, lack of sleep or, or being, you know, or, or, or maybe shivering a little bit in a tent or something like that to have these wild experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the I was, I was in this discipline of rock climbing called bouldering where you climb without a rope, but usually you have little pads on the ground or, um, and, and you climb a, whatever distance you're comfortable with climbing, um, without a rope on these kind of smaller rock features or sometimes boulders. Um, and I was doing some bouldering and I didn't, I didn't have any pads and, um, I fell off a boulder that was like pretty high, but I knew that 
you know, the worst thing that would happen would have been maybe like breaking an ankle or fracturing an ankle or foot or something. <laughs> and I was yeah. kind of like, Oh, you know what? This is kind of, this is an experience I want to have. I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try it. Uh, fortunately I just bruised my heel a little bit and it wasn't, it wasn't so bad, but, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm willing to, to have an experience where I know it might not all go as planned or, or I might, sometimes I'll, I'll choose an objective where I think, Oh, I'm going to try to go do this. And I might, might get stuck out while it's still dark out and I'll have to find my way back in the dark or I might, I might come back pretty hungry or pretty, pretty thirsty or maybe I'll, you know, try to only carry a certain amount of stuff. So I'm stuck out with a little bit of limited resources. I'm into that stuff for, to have a, you know, a wild experience, but I'm never willing to, to, to wager um, any sort of fatal risk. Right. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I could, you know, like when you're talking about it, like, you know, I don't think I've ever chosen something where I could break a limb. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, and I think that's sort of, and I think that that's maybe where some of the average and low sensation seekers might round it up and say what, you know, that that feels so unusual to them that they, that, that they don't understand it at all. And so I'm hoping that this book and these podcasts will help people understand that, you know, it's not that you're all in for all sorts of kinds of discomfort and pain <laughs> that yeah. you, you're making some choices about, you know, some things and that a bumper bruise or missing a meal or, you know, maybe even a broken limb, but you people heal from those kinds of things. But that doesn't mean that you're willing to go all in and, and you know, to, to, for, for all kinds of experiences. Yeah. Um, sure. Similarly, uh, other things I can think about of, of having to tolerate is like going out in wild, you know, I've mentioned like, being you know maybe shivering or whatever but I, sometimes i'm willing to tolerate going out and just horrible bugs to come back bug bitten and mm. really uncomfortable and that can be like some of the worst stuff you know sometimes that can deter me more than than uh than uh bumps and bruises or scrapes or whatever but especially yeah, in sudbury yeah, yeah sudbury, it gets pretty it gets pretty grim uh but one other thing i want to mention or just as i jump in here is um I'm also, I'm kind of specific about times where I take those types of risks. Um, I want to add that because I figured you might find it a little bit interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, and I'm a very calculated person with everything I do. I, I have spreadsheets for everything and um, sometimes it's a little bit overboard and I just absolutely sweat over all kinds of little details. But the same thing goes for my, for my calendar and kind of when I do these things. If I have something really important in the, in my calendar or, a really big work commitment or uh, an awesome rock climbing trip, uh, you know, and, and I have some flights booked or something in advance of my schedule, I'll dial down my threshold or my tolerance for risk. And, and back when you were um, playing hockey, was that the same thing? Yeah. Well, when I was playing hockey, I, I kind of would only do these things at the beginning of the off season because I didn't want to have anything that would be like, I didn't want to have any injury that was going to compromise my hockey season. Hmm. Um, and it's funny because I carried a lot of the stuff that I learned in competitive organized sports and it was hockey, which is a contact sport. Um, I've carried a lot of this stuff with me forward into now doing these adventure sports because I got, I got injured so much more playing hockey than I ever had rock climbing or canoeing or uh, whitewater paddling or 
hiking or doing anything in remote territory. Like I've had way, 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 way less injuries. Meanwhile, I think anyone in the general public would see a photo of me rock climbing or doing something adventurous and think that it's a completely wild and compromising position. But like every kid in Canada grows up playing hockey and it's no big deal. Hmm. So there's a big perception gap between um, the risks and percentages of, of injury and, and what people are willing to accept for themselves, what parents are willing to accept for their kids. Um, yeah, I would much rather ha- like encourage people to do adventure sports than I would to, to play hockey because you mm-hmm. just get yourself knackered playing hockey. I had all the <laughs> But the same, so the same thing goes, but I would, you know, I would approach the hockey season and try to be really healthy and in really good shape for the hockey season. Now I try to approach, you know, if I have a big rock climbing trip, I want to be really healthy and really prepared for that trip. Or, or if I have a guiding contract and I'm taking a group out in the wilderness, I want to be really prepared and really healthy entering that experience. So, um, yeah, it's funny. A lot of this stuff, uh, carries from one discipline to the next. Yeah. I want to ask you about something else too, in terms of carrying from one to the other. In, in what ways, if any, do you feel like people who are involved in either outdoor adventures or adventure sports, does it impact their um, personal lives? Like in what way, if any, do you feel like it can carry over the things that they've learned um, can impact, you know, what, what happens um, when they're not doing those things? Um. I may be, I may be biased, but I think it has a, I think it has a terrific impact on, on the rest of your personal life because, um, well, for one, there's just so many amazing health benefits to, to, um, excuse me, so many health, uh, amazing health benefits to spending time in nature, uh, in the outdoors and exercising in the outdoors. Um, there's a, so much research to support that spending time outside is is good for your for your stress levels um good for your your social health psychological health mental health um spending our time outdoors is is amazing it's it's you know it's magical and then similarly if you know if you're going to pair that with hiking or paddling or climbing or anything that's that's an aerobic or anaerobic sport like you're going to you're getting a ton of exercise benefits. So, you know, all the, all the people that I do these types of activities with, um, or these sports with are, are just inherently really healthy people. Mm. They have really good lifestyles. And yeah, sure. Maybe they suffer, a, you know, a sprained wrist or broken ankle every once in a while, but they're so healthy. They bounce back from it. It's no problem. And, you know, even spending time outside is even good for your immune health. So they're yeah. sick often and they're motivated to jump out of bed and go do something and on the weekends they don't want to stay up until three in the morning partying because they'd rather get a good night's sleep so that saturday morning they can wake up and go hit the trails um i think it i think that these adventure sports have a great impact on on um on health um now in terms of um maybe social health I can see but I think it's probably the same for a lot of hobbies like it can these sports can be really addicting and you can want to do them so much and it can really consume you um so if you don't have a crew of friends that's willing to do it you can kind of you end up maybe parting ways with with those people because you just want to spend so much time doing it 
I mean, I'm really, I'm really fortunate. I have such a great crew of friends that equally is engaged in all these adventure sports. And I have friends that also work in the industry. I have friends that are, that are academics at the university. Um, my, my, my life partners, um, name's Kira. She's, she's a terrific outdoor adventure athlete as well. Um, if you need more people for the, for the podcast, you could, you could, oh, have, yeah. she's great. She's just come back from, um, she just came back from taking a group of students on a 28 day canoe trip from Labrador to the St. Lawrence river in, in Canada. Uh, and it's her fourth, uh, canoe trip. That's, that's, um, minimum 28 days length. Last year, she did a 40 day one the year before 30. And so she's got this amazing amount of mileage in these really, really remote uh, places. Um, so yeah, I'm fortunate to be surrounded by people that do it, which is, you know, we, we kind of fuel and propel each other, which is amazing. That's awesome. Wow. Um, anything else that you'd like for people to know about, um, what you do or, um, you know, sort of inside the minds of these individuals in terms of their adventure sports or, uh, anything else that you've got planned coming ahead that you think people should know about? Um, what do I, I've got, um, fortunately my calendar right now is a little bit full with, uh, with office time. I'm kind of trying to, trying to really crunch down on, on getting my thesis work done. Oh, wow. Um, hoping to go on a rock climbing trip in, in the Southwest U S in the winter time. Um, that would be an amazing break from what I've got going on here. So mm-hmm. because of those things, I'm just kind of spending a lot of time training. Maybe that's, maybe that's something I can add is that, you know, oftentimes you see these athletes that are doing these extreme things. I think I alluded to it earlier. You maybe see you scroll through Instagram and you see just this photo of this crazy compromising position with this rock climber way off in, in on the middle of this, sea of granite rock and, you, and it looks so exposed and so scary but what you don't see is just hours and hours of preparation and training mm. i spend four or five nights a week at the rock climbing gym just hanging from my fingertips on little plastic holds so i can try to strengthen my fingers so that i feel better when i go on these trips so maybe maybe i can yeah just add about there's there's really a big background on training and preparation um yeah, people only see the moment and they think that you just sort of run out and do it without, you know, without all the background and training that goes into it. They don't realize, sometimes they don't realize what, what, it, what it takes to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. I think the message is that it's, it's well, and I, I can only speak to my own experience, but I think for the majority, it's very calculated. Um, and then I guess the, just the last, the last thing, and it's, a little bit of less less about me, but whenever I talk about this kind of stuff, the message that I always want to convey is, um, you know, to any average person that may listen, tune into this podcast, or hopefully picks up a copy of your book, they're going to read this and they're going to, they're going to, um, you're going, they're going to hear my voice um, or your writing uh, or the people you've interviewed talking about these extreme sports, you know, rock climbing and vertical terrain and paddling on a 28 day canoe trip or or base jumping or these really extreme things. Um, but the message I like to leave people with is that that that's the comfort zone that I have or somebody else has, but these health benefits and these opportunities exist for, for a lot of people. Um, and it can mean, it can be as simple as just going, you know, after work, 
grabbing your running shoes and going and hiking a local trail. Mm -hmm. So do something new for you. Do something that's outside of your comfort zone. It doesn't have to be as wild as what my comfort zone is, but just try something new. Hike a local trail. Ask a friend to go with you. Maybe um, sleep in a tent for the first time, or maybe try paddling um, on a lake or a river or, or, or uh, start a garden. To, to spend more time in nature, like, you know, go and tend your garden uh, a few times a week and, and water the, water the plants and, and go out in nature and, and reap the benefits because it's so, it's so good for you. It's good yeah. for so many facets of your life. So I just really want to encourage everybody to go outside and everybody to, to live a healthy, active lifestyle. Um, and that doesn't have to be base jumping or rock climbing. It can just be, it can be a lot more mellow stuff. I think that's a great, that's a great, that's a great message. It doesn't have to be something that's extreme. It just has to be something that maybe brings you a sense of awe, you know, that, that connects you with something in nature. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Thank, thank you so much. Um, and, um, it, and, and if they want to learn more about um, your, the program you're in, where, where, where can they, where can they find out about that? Um, we don't have a huge, uh, social presence, but, uh, we're from Laurentian university. So they have the university itself has a, has a kind of social media presence. So, um, they can just find Laurentian university and our program is the, uh, outdoor adventure leadership program. Um, again, my name's, uh, Bo Williams Orser can probably find me on social media, maybe see a few photos. Um, I, I gotta up my game a little bit, and get <laughs> there. but, uh, yeah. Great, great. Thank you so much for taking time out for doing this and, and um, best of luck with your thesis. I know you're going to do great and, um, and I'll, we'll be in touch soon. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure.